Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Brian Candelo. I realize it's late in the game for thinking about Christmas presents because if I know you guys, you're already done shopping and everything's wrapped and under the tree so that you'll have a peaceful week leading up to Christmas, right? But on the off chance that you still need some gifts, I have some ideas for you this morning because I'm here to help. And these aren't just things that people want. These are needs. When I show you these things, it's not gonna be like, oh yeah, that'd be nice. No, I need that. This is what I need. So a couple small ones, and then we'll get rolling into some of the larger needs that we have so that we can make our lives <clears throat> comfortable. Um, that on the left, that's called the pizza pouch. And I wanted to start small because I thought that was hilarious. If you need a slice on the go, if you're one of those people that you find yourself in various social situations saying, man, if only I had a slice of pizza, well, you can take one with you in the pizza pouch at all times, $4.99 on Amazon. You can do that. Now, this on the right here is not just some random guy on, well, he is, but it's not really what it's advertising. It's the selfie toaster. <laughs> you send a picture into this company and they create a toaster from that picture so that every time you have toast, you can have your picture on it. So I just want you to know I'm available after service. If you want to do a selfie with me so that we can put it on your toaster, that'd be awesome. $65 for the selfie toaster. <laughs> Worth every penny, right? I told you they were needs. All right. The next one. Yeah. You know when you give your dog a bath and then it runs around like crazy and the second you let it outside, it's still wet and then it rolls around in the mud, thereby negating the bath that you just gave it? Well, this is the puff and fluff dog dryer. And I'm sure it's really easy to get your pet into this contraption. <laughs> but you hook it up then to your blow dryer and you have a really happy dog that is dry in your house. And it's only 40 to $70, depending on the size of your dog. Now, the next one is a no-brainer, something for all of us. This is a chrome-plated toothpaste squeezer. I know at home you have that trouble of somebody squeezes in the middle, somebody tries to, this just solves all of that. 300 bucks <laughs> that could save your marriage. So that's the chrome-plated toothpaste squeezer. Next in line is the infrared clam sauna. It's a single-person sauna and it uses infrared light. And what I loved about this one is that it said the temperatures go from 85 degrees to 185 degrees, which just seems ridiculous. Like if you want to have a sauna and bake cookies at the same time, <laughs> you can do that there. And that one's $14,000. But think how good you'll feel every day using the, the clam sauna. Uh, next is the, this is literally called the productivity boosting napping pod. And they're trying to sell this to businesses uh, that have a glowing endorsement from NASA, actually, that uses this. They're trying to sell it to businesses to say that the more you allow your employees to nap, the better they will perform. So if you're a business owner or a lead pastor at Salem Alliance, you're gonna wanna install one of these at the church, $16,000, you get in there, it's got the dome of silence and the quiet music that it plays and the gradual alarm to wake you up and productivity will be boosted. Now, lastly, if you live in West Salem, 
One of your chief hassles in life is the bridge. I always hear this. You're talking about, oh man, it took me 10 whole minutes to get across the bridge. It was awful. If you don't like bridge traffic, this next gift is for you. It's the submarine sports car. So 75 miles an hour on land, but you can literally drive it straight into the water. It can go 33 feet deep at a, for 60 minutes. And the funny thing about this though is, you'll notice that you're wet. You're soaking wet, there's no top on it. Because literally it just has scuba masks that you're supposed to put on as you're driving underwater. Now $2 million will allow you to beat bridge traffic, which seems like a no-brainer, right? These are things that we need, we need, no, we don't need these things, right? Obviously these things are ridiculous, except for the napping pod <laughs> and the selfie toaster. But everything else, they're ridiculous, but they sell. People buy these things because we are a culture addicted to more. We are a culture that loves bigger and better. And it's not so much that we want to accumulate stuff. We love more because we love comfort. The end goal of accumulation is our comfort. We want to live lives that are more comfortable. We are a culture addicted to comfort. And why not? We work hard. We've earned it. And so nothing should intrude upon our comfort. As a matter of fact, that's the American dream. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the pursuit of our own comfort. That's what we live for. And yet I think somewhere deep down inside, we realize that we've bought into the wrong dream. Somewhere inside we know that pursuit of comfort isn't the ultimate goal, but it's so hard to break out of that cycle. And so instead of embracing comfort, what if we were a people that embraced inconvenience? I know, I know, sign me up. It's quite an invitation, right? Instead of embracing comfort, what if we were a people that embraced inconvenience? Instead of avoiding the hassles and the troubles that are bound to come our way, what if we looked for the opportunities within those inconveniences? This morning I wanna talk about this idea right here, that every inconvenience has an invitation. Every inconvenience that we face has an invitation. It's God inviting us into something deeper. It's God inviting us something, into something more meaningful. Something that will shape our lives far more than comfort will. There are things out there that we would not choose to walk into, but that will shape our lives way more than the comfort that we are always seeking. Every inconvenience has an invitation, and what are those invitations? Let me just give you a few examples because there's a multitude of them. Maybe it's obedience or trust, repentance, patience, faith, courage, action, there's all kinds of things, but there's places that God wants to take us that we wouldn't otherwise go. There's things that God wants to do in our lives. There's ways that he wants to mold us that comfort doesn't get to. And so we need to look for the invitation, and that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. We're continuing on in our series, our Christmas series, entitled Making Room. Making Room for Christmas. Now, a couple weeks ago, Steve kicked us off with this idea of making room for waiting in a culture of hurry. And if you were too busy to listen to that message, <laughs> you should listen to that message. It's really good. 
Last week, he talked about making room for doubt in a culture of cynicism. And this idea of the questions are okay to build a foundation. The questions are okay. What do we do with that? If you weren't here, you want to go back and listen to that. But today we're going to talk about the ever-exciting topic of making room for inconvenience in a culture of comfort. Because inconvenience is something that when it happens to us, we just want to put our heads down or we want to rush through as fast as possible or we want to avoid it altogether, like the long line at the supermarket, like the long line at the traffic light. We want to avoid those things. And I think there's a couple reasons why we want to avoid inconvenience. Because comfort equals control. If we are in control of our lives, we will attempt to make them as comfortable as possible. And so when we face inconvenience, it means at some level, we're out of control of our lives. And so we want to get back in the driver's seat and we want to steer that towards comfort. So we like that control. But I think on an even deeper level, inconvenience can oftentimes seem like the disapproval and disappointment of God. Or even worse, like punishment or rejection from God. I mean, have you ever caught yourself when you're going through difficulty, when an inconvenience smacks you right in the face and you're just like, okay, God, what did I do? What did I do wrong? God, why are you mad at me? Maybe you even caught yourself saying, God, why do you hate me? Why are you disappointed in me? And maybe it's really just that God is disappointed in you always pursuing comfort and you need something to shape your life. Because inconvenience is going to happen to us. Now, there's, there's a couple different forms. There's, there's avoidable inconvenience. There's things that we do that just bring inconvenience into our lives. Like if you get a dog for Christmas, I'm just telling you from experience, it's going to add something to your life interesting and good, but interesting, inconvenient. And there's also experiences of inconvenience that are unavoidable because because we fog the glass, so to speak, because we have breath, because we're alive, because we have a pulse. There are certain things that are just going to happen to us. They're unavoidable. Things we can avoid and things we can't avoid, but I think we need to change our mindset about inconvenience. So what if we didn't see inconvenience as a roadblock to our comfort and happiness, but what if we saw it as a pathway to a good place we wouldn't have gone otherwise? What if the inconvenience in our lives is God inviting us into a better story? God's always inviting us into more of himself. God is always inviting us into a better story. And sometimes he uses inconvenience. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the Christmas story, the very familiar Christmas story. And what better story to look at about inconvenience as invitation? And so we want to use that lens. And as we look at this story this morning, We're going to be in uh, Matthew 1 and 2, and that kind of tells Joseph's story. We're going to start in Luke 1 and 2, and that tells Mary's story. And as we look at the story this morning, we want to look at the character of God, a God who introduces these things to the lives of Joseph and Mary. We also want to look at the character of Joseph and Mary and how they respond to these things. And as we look at this story, you might say inconvenience is way too soft a word. It's not irritation, it's just flat out intrusion, probably. But we're gonna use the word inconvenience as we go through, and I also wanna let you know, as we speak of inconvenience throughout this morning's story, uh, I am not speaking of Jesus as the inconvenience. So you can put your discouragement cards away. 
I'm not saying that Jesus is that. I'm just saying that how this story plays out really kind of wrecks the plan that Mary and Joseph had for their life. I mean, God chose them, what an honor, but they probably had steps along the journey where they're like, I can't believe you chose me for this. So we're gonna start in uh, Luke chapter one, starting in verse 26. We'll start with the, the story of Mary. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And, and as I read that this past week, I was like, Mary, you don't even know the half of it yet. I mean, you're confused and disturbed now. Wait till he gets to the reason why he's there. Because something big is coming. The inconvenience is coming. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, her response in verse 34 is, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And Mary knows what all of us were taught from a young age. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Jesus in the baby carriage, <laughs> right? It's not first comes love, then the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will give birth to the... Son of God. And that's not, not how the story goes. I mean, these are some pretty deep and rough waters for the small boat of Mary's life to navigate. This is, this is huge. This is major life change for her. And so how is she going to respond to this? How is Mary going to respond to this incredible, unbelievable inconvenience? Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And I just love that. Her response basically is bring it on. I am the Lord's servant. Literally, I am the Lord's bond slave. You see, her obedience is rooted in the fact that her identity, her position in God is established that God is the king of her life and she is just a bond servant. She is a servant who worships the king. And so she's saying, my life is not my own. I live for your purpose. I give up my rights, my plans, my comfort because you, God, are king of my life. That's her response. That's what allows her to then go on and, and speak this, what's called the Magnificat. It's this hymn, this strong, forceful hymn of praise to God, where she speaks all about what God has said he's going to do and closes with this statement, for he made this promise to our ancestors. God, you promised this, and you are going to bring this about. And we see in the life of Mary this understanding of kingship and understanding of promise. But we also know that she has to have a conversation with Joseph. We know that she has to break the news to him. Joseph, we need to talk. And he's like, oh boy. And she said, well, I'm pregnant. Now, I don't know if when we get to heaven, there's gonna be like a film room where we'll get to like just go in and be like, I just wanna see that story that we've read about. This is one of the, the films I wanna see. I wanna see how that conversation went. I wanna see what she said. I wanna hear what his response is. Matthew chapter one Starting in verse 18, it's Joseph's side of the story. 
We kind of go over what we already know, that Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. They were engaged. Engagement uh, was a big deal. It's a big deal now. It was a bigger deal then. It was legally binding. You had an engagement ceremony. You got in front of somebody important. You gave gifts. You signed papers. You were referred to as husband and wife. I mean, they were pretty far down the tracks on this thing. Mary had the dress picked out. She had the cake. She was interviewing DJs for the party. And she was taking Joseph along the whole time saying, I want you involved in every step of the process, but this is exactly what we're gonna do. (laughs) Maybe that was just my experience. (laughs) And Joseph was a good husband and he was saying, yes, dear. Sure, absolutely. But she's pregnant. And she has to tell him that she's pregnant. And there's no historical precedent for this. This is like a once and done event in the history of the world. She can't be like, well, remember in the Old Testament? Or, you know, Sally, she got pregnant with the Holy Spirit too. There's just nothing. It's this story that's just absolutely unbelievable, which is why we read that Joseph, her fiance, he was a good man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. We see in Joseph that he was a man of the law and he was a man of love. He was full of grace and truth. The law side of him though, he didn't have a choice. If he was a righteous man, divorce was not optional, it was mandatory because she was pregnant before the marriage and so he had to get a divorce to follow the law. But he was also a loving man and he wanted to do so quietly to protect her reputation, possibly even to protect her life. But then he has this dream. Joseph has a lot of dreams. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so he has this moment where he's saying to himself, she was telling the truth. Mary was telling the truth to me. In this story, that was hurtful to Joseph, but that eventually I think he would have distanced himself from, came crashing into his life. Mary's story, Jesus' story, now became Joseph's story. And so what he was saying goodbye to was an honorable reputation. He was saying goodbye to good standing in the community, and he was saying hello to whispers and awkward conversations and rumors and false accusations. And so this story was crashing in on his plans and his world as well. But we see in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. When Joseph woke up, immediate obedience because he had somewhere along the line settled the authority issue. He knew who the king of his life was and he had a wedding ceremony and probably not the wedding ceremony that they had planned. And it was probably very subdued and it was probably very difficult to find someone to even perform that ceremony. But they had the wedding and he was obedient to God because God cares more about our obedience than he does about our reputation. We oftentimes get that backwards. We're very concerned about our reputation and what other people think about us and maybe a little less concerned about obedience. One tends to rise above the other, but God cares more about our obedience than he does about our reputation. And we see in Joseph that he was obedient. 
that Joseph says, okay, let's do this. And then Luke chapter two is the very familiar part of the story where they journey to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was probably 90-ish miles from where they were at the time. It would have taken four or five days to get there, the last day entirely uphill. The Bible says that Mary was obviously pregnant, which means she was big. And I'm not being rude, literally in the Greek, it means big with child. She was ready and she went there and we know that there was no room for them to actually be in a house and so they were in some type of of stable. This was not the birthing suite at OHSU. This was something a little more rustic than that. And that's where Jesus was born. And maybe, just maybe, they had this moment of, all right, thanks God, this is not what we planned, but now we can kind of get on with our lives. Now we can maybe move forward a little bit until we read Matthew chapter two, verse 13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now Joseph was probably afraid to go to sleep at this point. He's like, every time I go to sleep, something happens. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt. That night, basically it was flee. It was whatever you can do. Throw everything you have in a bag and get out. And that night, they just did this middle of the night escape and they went to Egypt. And we don't know where they landed in Egypt. We know that there were some communities of Jews in the city of Alexandria. There were several hundred thousand uh, Jews in this community. Maybe they landed there. We don't know how long they stayed there. Maybe a, a year or so. But we do know that they were refugees. We do know that they were strangers in a strange land, in a new culture with no extended family. We don't know if if Joseph had to go out and, and find a job or they sold off frankincense and myrrh to survive. All of this while trying to figure out what life looks like with the newborn that, oh, just happens to be the son of God. And it's really interesting to think that God's protection of them was a major inconvenience to them. That God's protection of them was to take them down a road that they wouldn't have gone down otherwise. That that God's invitation in this was God's protection in this. One more quick story. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. You can go home now. And he said, great, I'm going to go home and we're going to live someplace else than we were before. Then he had another dream. And God said, you can't live there. You have to go back somewhere else. So they ended up back in Nazareth. Nazareth was a small town, probably about 500 people up in the hills, and it was not strategic at all. It was not strategic politically, economically, religiously. It was a town that was just very inconsequential, so much so that when Nathaniel heard that the Messiah was from Nazareth, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? The most important person in the history of the world grew up in the middle of nowhere. And that's important for us to learn as well. God didn't choose Rome. He chose Nazareth. God didn't choose the place of strength. He chose the place of weakness to show once again that God doesn't do things the way we would do things, that God does things upside down, that sometimes God uses inconvenience to shape us when we don't want inconvenience at all. 
And you know what? That's just the beginning of the story. There's so many other things, I'm sure, as their story went along. But that's the story we have that's the Christmas story. And it's not worse because of the inconvenience they faced. It's better. It's better for them having walked through those things because you can see the hand of God all along the way. You can see the fingerprints of God in every instance in that story. Our stories are better for the inconveniences that we walk through. Our stories are better for the difficulties we have because we can see the hand of God throughout. And so we keep our eyes open for those invitations to obedience and faith and trust and action and courage. And if God asked this of Joseph and Mary, something that changed all of their plans, could he not ask that of us to change our plans for the sake of his plans? That God would ask us to walk through certain things for his glory and for our good. Now, I don't know what inconveniences you're facing. I, you know, and they're usually pretty readily available. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a housing situation. Maybe it's a you don't even want to live here in Salem situation. I talk to a lot of younger people who can't wait to get out of Salem. And they can't believe that God has left them in Nazareth slash Salem. <laughs> Maybe your inconvenience is who you know is coming to your house for the holidays. Or maybe it revolves around certain issues all the time. Maybe what wrecks you and what you try and push through as fast as possible or what you, you just can't believe that God walks you through all the time are the same issues. And we can ask ourselves these questions. Here's the first one. Am I wrecked when the inconvenience involves money? When the fuel light comes on? When the check engine light comes on? When all of these things happen in your life, are you wrecked anytime an inconvenience revolves around money? Maybe God's inviting you into trust. Second question. When my schedule gets out of control, do I? Do we run at a pace that's too fast? Or when something happens that we had not planned on, are we just done? Maybe God's inviting us into patience. What about personal health issues? Do they bring out the worst in us? Maybe God's inviting us into faith or courage. And so how do we make room for these inconveniences in our culture of comfort? I have four handles that I just want to give you this morning and how we can make room for inconvenience. First is this. We have to answer this question. Who is the king of my life? We buck against kingship. I know we do. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. I get to make the decisions in my life, and therefore I will choose comfort. But if God is the king of our lives, it's not always going to work out that way. Look at Joseph and Mary. Who is the king of our lives? This allows us to deal with inconvenience. You see, Jesus wants to be the king of our lives, not the Santa Claus of our lives. He doesn't want to just, oh, here's all kind of good stuff and no bad stuff. There's going to be both. And if he's the king in the comfort, he needs to be the king in the inconvenience. And we need to have that question answered in our lives once and for all. Second thing I would say is this. Hold on to the promises. When we see in Mary and Joseph's story, we see in Luke 1, Mary said, God, you made these promises. And she listed a bunch of them. 
In Matthew chapter one, it says all of this took place to fulfill what the prophets had said, what, what God had promised through the prophets. That there are many promises in scripture that we need to learn. One is this, John 16, In this world, you will have trouble. You will have irritations. You will have intrusions. You will have inconveniences. That's just part of life. So that's promised as well. But what's also promised is that we have a God who saves and we have a God who heals and we have a God who has walked through what we walk through and we have a God who will never leave us or forsake us and greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And these are promises that we can hang on to in the middle of the inconveniences of life. And so we need to hold on to those. I'm sure those are the things that help sustain Joseph and Mary in their story. Third handle is this, big picture thinking. Steve talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and it's just, it's valid with so many areas of life. But inconveniences in our lives seem to get magnified in the moment, and they get minimized over time. Usually when you look back on something, you go back, how did I get through that? I can't believe we made it through that season. And you remember it differently than when you were going through it. So you have to have this ability to be able to say, okay, this is just a moment. There's more going on here. And big picture thinking will allow us to function in those moments and see things not just as an inconvenience that shuts us down, but as an invitation into something bigger. When my wife was in college, she spent a summer in inner city Philadelphia working in a housing project. She worked with elementary age kids and middle school kids and they did summer camps all summer in this housing project and just got to interact with some amazing young kids. And there was one kid in particular, his name uh, is Terrence and Terrence was an EGR kid, extra grace required. That's, you know what I'm talking about. He was the one that was a little louder, a little bit more out of control than the other kids, uh, a little bit more annoying than the other kids. Now, you could have seen that as an inconvenience that you wanted to distance yourself from, but my wife saw it as an invitation. She saw it as an invitation to draw near to this young kid. And so she began to spend more time with him and learn his story and learn that his father had been in prison for as long as he could remember and his mom was an addict. And so she invested into this and saw the invitation. When my wife and I got married and got our first place, we began to invite Terrence out to spend all summer with us in any break that he had from school. We'd send him a bus ticket and he would bus to where we were and we would spend all that time together. And, and he didn't lose any of his EGR-ness. He was still that way. But we were being invited into a better story. And we are teaching him that it's good to do laundry. That's it's okay. And you want to you know, teaching him how to drive. And he was with us, actually. Uh, we got a phone call that his mom had passed away. And we went back for the funeral and sat with him. And uh, he began calling us mom and dad. Uh, and he still does today. He still calls us mom and dad. As a matter of fact, this past summer when I had my family reunion in Sun River, uh, Terrence came, flew out. Uh, he's on the top left if <laughs> you were curious which one didn't look like. This is just some of my family, and, and that's Terrence up there. And we, just, we had a blast. He's part of it, but he's part of our family, and, and we're the better for it, not him. We're the better for it because of the invitation in that inconvenience. And honestly, because my wife leaned in and not out. And so lastly, the last handle I would say is just this. 
Look for the invitation in the inconvenience. And so somewhere on your row, they've been passed back and forth. I hope there's enough for this service. There's some cards. And if they're there, would you just pass them down? And it just says, you're invited. This is not the invitation to the Fowler Christmas party. You can just show up. This is a reminder for you. This is just a reminder that God is inviting us into more. That God is inviting us deeper into who he is. That God wants to shape us through some of the inconveniences of life. And we need to know what that is. And so as we close, as we close in this song this morning, would you just ask Holy Spirit to just speak what the invitations are? And maybe you write them down on this card somewhere and keep it somewhere that you remember. And like I said, if it's money, maybe it's trust, or maybe he's calling you to courage or action, any one of those things. You don't have to write what your inconvenience is, but what are you being invited into? And just spend some time meditating on that and praying about that as we close with this song. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.